Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. But, uh, hey, if you just press play, you're missing out 22 minutes of us talking about me and Melanie. We talked about, um, (laughs) I know what we talked about. We just did it. Um, Things we love and hate in films. (laughs) Thank you so much. I don't. Something's makes a good wrong with good. me. Um, yeah, maybe. I wonder if, like, sometimes, like, if you eat certain foods, it can just make you exhausted. I don't know. Oh, I, that I is very like, true for me. I didn't have like anything fatty. I just had tacos. Like, what the heck? I mean, we were enough tacos. said, Melvin. Tacos <sighs> are just such small. a comfort food. They it's were a like comfort food, nonetheless. Shrimp tacos too. So it's like <gasps> fish food and stuff <gasps> is good for me. So I don't even know. But 22 minutes of talking about movie things we like in movies and things we don't. What one in particular are we looking for to like tell us that this film works out or doesn't? Um, what are qualities that we appreciate? What are things that we think detract from films? Why these things we feel are important? Um, mm. and, and naming a couple films that give examples. So call those tiny mini reviews and recommendations in their own right. Um, yeah. You get access to those for $3 a month if you support on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. There are a bunch of other perks that you get while doing that. And uh, you'll hear about that as you listen to the episode. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's the end of my pitch. And uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. I guess we'll go to bed and that's it. Uh, we're done. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, we're here to talk about Whale Rider. Um, this Woo-hoo! is a movie I had no idea existed at all. <laughs> I did not know it existed at all. Uh, and I actually, I'm really happy we checked it out. And this is entirely on Melanie's recommendation. Was there a particular like reason you wanted to do this melanie or has was it really just as simple as you rewatched it and were like i want to do this on a podcast because now i'm on a podcast and i can do this (laughs) um (laughs) i'm not sure i think i just this is one of those films for me that just has a special place in my heart Mm -hmm. there's just so many things about it that i love and it's we were talking about it a little bit on the patreon episode um or the patreon portion Mm. um but i i really connected with the characters in this film and especially just our main character Pykea and her relationship with like each relationship that she has with her family members and how it just Mm -hmm. plays out in the film and I love that the film doesn't have like a huge budget compared to the films that we have now and I love how the film's Uh, the film films. I love how the film just tackles so many different topics like love and trauma and grief and tradition and how it's just very uh, culturally rich and endearing. But even though it's an ethnic culture that I have no connection with um, personally, Mm -hmm. I find the dynamics just so relatable. And it's just a film that is just so simple. And um, I just, there's just, there's just so many things to love about it. 
And I, um, I, anytime I think about the film, I'm just, I, I'm just like, oh, I love this film so much. So, um, I'm really glad that you watched it. I'm really glad yeah, that you was... that you thought it was a good watch. And I hope that other people, if they get a chance to watch it, they'll enjoy it too. Yeah, it's a uh, there. You can pretty much find it. I think it's still on Prime. It was on Peacock for me. Um, and I guess, uh, yeah. Before we get into specifics, I'll introduce the movie then. Um, yeah. So set in the islands of New Zealand. Um, which I guess is just a no brainer. If we're talking about New Zealand, it's on an island. Uh, and, um, I, I correct, correct me if I say this, right, the Maori people are I believe Maori, so. Ma- people. Maori. Um, and it's a group of people that are, I would say like current natives to, to the island. Although then we kind of learn as they give some backstory to their people very, 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 very long time ago. I wasn't positive if it was a, um, immigration myth, or if it was a creation myth, but they have a particular individual named Pika who had ridden a whale, um, the titular whale rider who had arrived to mm. this island. The people had been there and then had been called back out to sea. Um, and uh, this particular story takes place during a time of, like, I would say, like cultural poverty in which the community has very much deteriorated. Um, yeah. Still exists, but very much at, at a low end. A lot of people left. Exactly. Yeah, you have people who can afford to leave end up leaving and finding success externally, um, and then people who end up staying have extreme difficulty or are in poverty or are giving into. Um, the film doesn't visually ex- uh, express any form of. Uh, I would say, like, hmm, what do I call it? Uh, I'd, debauchery is not the word that's kind of like the correct word, but that's right. kind of the direction I want to go. Um, but very much like that's, that's kind of what's left, right? Like beer, alcohol, probably drugs, um, gangs, violence, and that's kind of what's left. And what happens here in the beginning of the movie is a, the son of the lineage of chiefs has just had, uh, his wife is going into labor. Um, and, uh, I think I, I wasn't, I would, this didn't shock me at the beginning of the movie, but it was, uh, I wasn't, I actually didn't know anything about the movie. And interestingly yeah. enough, I saw the film was in the children's section at my thrift store and I almost picked it up there, but I decided to watch it at home on streaming. <laughs> That's in the, but the wrong beginning, place. I know. I, oh, and actually wow. I'm on Amazon right now and it specifically says genre kids and family and then drama. I it's definitely more a that. drama movie just yes. with a child as one of the leads. Um, mm. and, um, but the opening of the film is very dour. Um, this husband, uh, who, I'm sorry, the son of the chief or the lineage of chiefs, his wife is going into labor and has twins. She passes during labor. And then the male twin of the two ends up also be, uh, ends up being stillborn. And so all that's left is now the daughter who is named Pika after the titular myth. And, um, the grandfather in particular says, no, you cannot name him, name her that. And the son of course says, no, I will. And leaves. And then it's about, I don't, I wasn't positive how many years later. What did it just say 10 years later? I can't remember. I know it says years. Yeah. I I can't recall off the top of my head, but now Pika is much older and she's in school and she, um, the narrative narration tells us that grant the grandfather grew to appreciate and love the daughter, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the granddaughter until the dad returns. And, uh, Pretty much like that's kind of the, how the story develops. The dad doesn't stick around, but when the dad returns is when the complicating incident turns into the grandfather trying to find a new chieftain um, and how Pika cannot be that because she was born female. Um, and uh, the rest of the movie kind of 
moves forward from there. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot, a lot more dour than I expected. Definitely. Not a bad thing. No, no, <laughs> but... for sure. I, I think it just adds to. I think it it really helps to kind of put you in Pykea's, um shoes as she yes. like one of the first things she says is like something along the lines of like everyone you know I wasn't the one people were waiting for like they were waiting yes. for my brother but instead they just have me so she had kind of has this feeling of you know I'm the un I was the one that wasn't wanted but I'm just still around and yeah. I, and that hangs over her because I and, and what's movie. sad yeah. is that they made that very clear to her and that was just very like at the forefront since she's been a baby where she was the one that shouldn't have not that she shouldn't have lived but they they were waiting more for her brother than they were for her it's it's the kind of reality where like you could see that since they're a child parents or adults don't know how much that child is overhearing but then would in conversation say something like well essentially what we just said right where it's like i'm not disappointed she was born I just wish, and then they finish the sentence, and it ends right. up being something so <laughs> sad oh, and devastating. And uh, that's like the life they live, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so just shocking. like there, so there's like a scene where because her her grandfather he is is still trying to get their next um, chief. The the pro, or they use the word prophet. Yeah, he believes that like this next person will bring them essentially out of poverty into like a golden age. He'll be there kind of. the next Pykea, which is why yeah. he's like, don't name her that. But her right. mother wanted her to have that name. Um, and so he's he's still trying to get her um, her father to, to bring about the next one. So he even brings one of the women from their village to come and spend time with them because he's trying to like put them together. Yes. But then of course, that's when he finds out that his son already has a girlfriend from Germany and that they're going to have a baby. So that really just like closed the door on any yeah. possibility of that, of him getting that son, which then is like the catalyst for all the stuff that happens later in the film. And yeah. so there's this heartbreaking scene where like the grandfather and the son are arguing and he just says, why don't you just take her then take her? If you don't think I'm doing a good job, she's no use to me. Yeah, and she hears to. him say that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, just rip her heart out and, and like crush it. Like it was just yeah. so, and you could see it on her face. And I just loved how her, the, the young actress, like she doesn't express a ton you can tell Keisha Castle Hughes is her name. Yes, thank you. Um, mm. She Keisha. I don't know. I, I like how it's very small movements and just like uh, you can kind of see more of like the awkwardness and the physical discomfort that she has. And I, again, being a teacher, you'll see like some kids are very like open and expressive with their bodies, and then some of them are very like internal. And she just seems mm-hmm. like a very internal child where she kind of bears it within herself. Um, and it's just, it's truly heartbreaking. And I think you can, uh, a lot of people and, and children could resonate with that feeling of just feeling like either you don't belong or that you're, um, you're no use to anybody because you're not yeah. the one they were waiting for. So yeah, it's just really heartbreaking. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Yeah, it's 
it's uh just first off on the on her performance uh Keisha Castle Hughes here is like stellar uh yes. in fact she was Oscar nominated for the year um she has like I think a BAFTA and um she like she won that one and yeah. um, she is really really excellent here and um it's it's the sort of um uh I'm sorry she did not she did not win the BAFTA um but she did uh the film did win it the best uh, best feature film for the BAFTAs in 2003, but I digress. Um, yeah, she handles, like you were saying, She her micro-expressions are very top-notch. She mm-hmm. is very talented at the time. Um, I'm going to get her particular age because this movie is from 2002, 1990. So she was only like 12, 12 or 13, probably yeah. 11 at the time of filming. Yeah, um, that, that sounds about right. So just like... I mean, it is shocking how good she is and um, consistently throughout. And the the amount of acting that's required of her in this mm-hmm. film is very extensive. She has a yes. lot that's to be expected of her, as do all the children actors, I would say, even though there's only one other uh, named Hemi who has a bit to do, but his is much more, much more um, passive, I would say. But um, there is a lot here to her performance that really carries the movie. And it's one of those movies where like, I think, um, well, uh, well, let me say, uh, not movies. Um, there's a, there's an online, uh, film guy that I really like named YMS, your movie sucks, who sometimes gets heat for how aggressive he sometimes criticizes child actors. And he says, I'm not criticizing child actors. I'm criticizing the person who cast them because it's their job to get the child actor who can do the performance. And then it is the director's job to work with the child yes. in their job. And that's without uh, getting into the ethics of the fact that I said the word work and they are a child doing a mm. job, which is technically child labor, even if it is yes. acting. Um, so that's a whole other thing. But uh, it's uh, here, it's like knowing the consistency and quality of children actors. This is like she is leagues uh, ahead um, yes. than most even adult actors. And it is. Genuinely, like if there's one reason to watch the movie, it is that one. If you're mm. if you're looking for for at least one uh, one takeaway, of which you'll get several this episode, but this one is 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 some pretty pretty great stuff. She really sells it. And I was actually gonna say, I think because we were talking about in again, if you listen to the Patreon portion, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about how we don't like it when certain films overstate things just so that you can just to make sure it's yeah, like you get yeah. what they're thinking and what they're feeling. This is a film that I think really balances it balances itself out very well. So things are very clear without being overly stated. So mm-hmm. even just I, I think about the first scene where the wife has passed away, his son is stillborn. And he's kind of crying over his wife at the hospital mm-hmm. and how you you see his mother walk in. And the first thing she does is she's crying and she puts her hand on his back and his shoulders, which tells you immediately that she is a comforter, that she is very yes. caring, that she is there for him to mourn and weep with him. And when her husband comes in, his father, the very first thing he looks for is he just says, where's the boy? Right. No tears, no concern, no consoling. It's just that was the first thing on his mind. And I feel like that one scene <laughs> tells you, like, I feel like I could see his childhood. I could see, yes. like, yes. All, like everything about their family dynamic in that one scene. It's like, 
crystal clear. And I just thought that that was watching it again recently. That was just so powerful to me. I was like, wow, that is a great way to just start the film because that really does set you into all the other things that that take place. Yeah. And like, what's interesting, like getting into the idea of like, because uh, because the film very much is about heritage and lineage and, mm-hmm. and upbringing. I'm not necessarily asking the film to have like that heated argument where everyone says the things that they want to say that's on their mind, because that could really yeah. detract from the film. Mm-hmm. But with what you're kind of getting into, it's almost like someone easily could have thrown back to him like, well, why wasn't it you? Like, why weren't you the one to bring us out of poverty and save us yeah. all and everything? Like, why did you... What what were you doing, right? Like, what were you mm-hmm. doing with your time? Um, did you waste it? And uh, what are you doing now and stuff like that? Why couldn't you? And it's not just like, why couldn't you be it? But uh, um, yeah, speci- it would stop there. Because I was about to say, like, someone could say, could blame him for what his son's doing, but that's totally different. And it's not like his son's doing necessarily anything wrong. But yeah. And uh, yeah, but it it is, um, I, I think, I think for me, like, I, I've been trying to figure out what kind of movies I've been enjoying lately mm-hmm. uh, because this is a movie like I, I've said this many times. Um, usually my top movie of the year is a drama and it's usually a much more understated drama. And yet, like I, I while I like the movie and I liked a lot of stuff, I don't think I I, I did. I did not personally connect with it. Um, but then there was also, I think, a lot of stuff that in general I didn't connect with. Um, I think the the character of the grandfather was just so difficult for me to watch that it was really hard for me to um uh endure the degree of uh passive nasty uh, uh passive aggression um that he has towards his i guess it's not passive it's just overt right. overt aggression that he has to pika <laughs> there was something unique i think frustrating about watching this older man poorly treat this child Hmm. And I was like, pick on somebody your own size. Right. <laughs> so I was getting so, oh, like, yeah. it wasn't the good feeling. It was the bad one. Yes, so, but you felt just, it. But I did. And so in that respect, yeah. kudos. But it was like, it was, it was hard. And, yeah. um, and, and uh, I I think I, I was thinking, I was like, what, what is it about this movie in particular that's doing it differently? Because last night I talked to my wife and I, I think I named another movie that did this. I, I just can't, I can't remember the name, but I think that had a bigger cast of characters to engage and mm-hmm. to have characters interact with. And so with that, it kind of helped it be more, um, the narrative itself was more dynamic to give me breathing time to recover from the last time this per- insufferable person was on screen. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there was something really, really for me that, that, that really almost like pushed me away at times. And, but, but I was in it. I was still with it. And, yeah. uh, and to the end, it's, it, it is a satisfying way of, of how it carries. And we'll, we'll talk about more specific stuff later. But, but I, for, for people who listen to the show and, and if, if they agree with me sometimes, not that we're disagreeing, but if they find right. that they listen because they find that we have similar tastes then they might find this hard to watch because of that, because it's like, wow, he is just so, and it's just because she's a woman. (laughs) Right. Well, and and it's not even just that, like, yes, Uh. that, but he's, so he, he is bearing the weight. This Mm -hmm. is, this is how I, I was processing how he's feeling. He Mm -hmm. is bearing the weight of the people and their future. And he feels like, I have to find a way to find our next 
leader, our traditions, our right? way of life, yeah. what like how how we function as a people. Mm. It's so it's so important. It's 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 huge. And it so is. for yeah. him, it's like you don't mess with tradition. Yeah. Enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners, so don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. But for the grandfather, he just, he gets so angry with her because she keeps inserting herself in positions where he feels you're not supposed to be here. So first of all, I don't think he ever got over the fact that her name is Pykea. Right. No. So no. I'm sure that still like would irritate him to have to call her that because Pike is supposed to be the name of their next leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but then how she's sitting with the boys. So he decides just for, you know, people who are listening, he decides that since his son is no longer going to be staying and there's no more possibility for him to carry on the line, um, he's going to try to go back to where everything started to fall apart. So mm-hmm. all the boys that were born around his uh, Pika's age, he gathers them together, teaches them the old ways, and is going to test them to see who could potentially be the next leader. Mm-hmm. And so um, when they start doing those like initiation ceremonies and the training, she feels drawn to it. It's I think you, Melvin, you mentioned that um, Kat said that it was, uh, oh, it's like Moana. Moana. Kind of yeah. like Moana. It, it, it is before <laughs> Moana. It's not the same, but very similar. And so she just feels drawn to those things. Uh, and that's why she, she, she wants to listen to her grandfather, but she feels like I have to be here. This is where I'm, right. this is what exactly. I'm supposed to do. And you know that again, without her actually saying that. It's like her actions speak for themselves. You can get that sense that this is where she feels like she needs to be. And I loved that. And I loved the discomfort you could see in her body where she's like at war with herself. Um, So I, it made sense to me why he would be so angry with her all the time and why he would um, chastise her so much because he's trying to say, stop messing with tradition and and in and in his mind it did things did get broken when she was born so she's like this disappointment to him but he's but he's wrong of course to treat her that way and he's wrong to to put to 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 view her as such a disappointment but i can also understand that for his character and how maybe how he was raised this is just it's it's so much more important it's so important. He's like, I have to figure out why all this is happening. And if you keep doing this, we're, we're never going to recover. So I, I'm not saying what he did was right. He was a hundred percent wrong, yeah, I totally get but you. I can yeah. see where his motivation comes from. And again, that, that kind of makes the film very powerful for me where you can see even through his, his uh, bad temperament Mm -hmm. and his bad treatment, like what motivates him and what is keeps pushing him to, to find that solution. I think like for, for me, I, when I see the the character trope of like the bad faith character, not, Mm -hmm. not the one who's manipulating faith for their own gain. So that would be like a, like a, I don't know, like a sex cult guy that'd be like yeah. using bad faith for, for your own gain more like literal bad faith, right? Like functionally the thing he's acting on in faith is not working. 
It is not right. producing results. It's not producing fruit. It's or it's producing fruit. It's just bad fruit. Yeah. And it's none of it's useful. Like and and um to describe that, like you were talking about, he has he starts this school that he's gonna now train them in their history. Um, which in general, like it's good for a community to also teach its history. I think even yeah. in them, I think uh, when I went to the school I went to, there's a mall near us and it actually used to be a theme park and the theme park wasn't roller coasters and stuff, although it did have one. It was more of a musical theme park hmm. and um, and like concerts were held there and a very prolific composer was there. He housed there. Um, and so I remember in elementary school, they covered that. And they gave you some community and stuff. And oh, that's I'm, cool. Like in the East Coast of the US, we don't really have culture. So it's like <laughs> our culture is like TGI Fridays and like hot topics. So that's like, there's not a lot to pick from. Um, but we have that. Yeah. And so we cover that. So nice. um, it, it does make sense to enrich your community by giving history, yeah. not just uh, factual history, but mythological history, because myths are used to guide or give. Um, context or all sorts of things um but what ends up kind of happening is he's like sitting these kids down and i think he i think he outright says like he's like gonna build them up to be chiefs or whatever mm -hmm. and then it like gives you a shot of these kids and they're just like they're like babies yeah. <laughs> you should be like playing like game boy or doing something right. like senseless or whatever something goofy yeah. jumping fences and um it should be a playing Sandlot or something. Uh, <laughs> and um, I think f f as a film, I would have appreciated something more goofy. Like if something was like, if scenes like that were handled like a, like a Wes Anderson sort of like hmm. um, not tongue in cheek, but that kind of cleverness. And I mm. wish there was a bit more of that to kind of raise some levity to sort of like have the film cleverly poke fun at what's being done while also not demeaning what, not demeaning, um, while also not detracting, that's what I'll say, from what is taking place, which is him essentially doing the wrong thing. And yeah. um, But as he's doing that, he uh, is really asserting more and more and more that like this thing he's believing in isn't working. Now, um, the film itself will continue and end in a, in a different way. But um, I think what I would have appreciated is almost if the film has a resolution that's positive, but his particular character maybe didn't end up being uh, reconciled. I, I think I would yeah. have appreciated something more critical of what he does, not necessarily damning, but just really more like, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like just something. No, I, yeah. I know. You what know you what mean. I mean? I think yeah. you kind of, yeah. Cause like, it just seems like I, I'm not on the crowd for like this is two years old at this point, but I'm not in the crowd of like WandaVision people who are like, why wasn't Wanda punished more for what she did? Right. Whatever. It's like, I don't need that. Yeah. But like, there is something in this where I kind of like, like, uh, yeah, like I, you know, Mercy where mercy's given. But did you want to talk about like what what happens like from a certain point I think this to would the help. end? Yeah. So yeah, I and I can I can do that if you want. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's go let's explain the movie and then we can open up yeah, to the, just, the rest. And yeah. Just like the major highlights, because I think that'll help with like why we might feel unsatisfied with the resolution at the end. One hundred percent. Yeah. Go ahead. Um the more that her grandfather pushes her out of the training, the more she wants to insert herself. And succeeds in doing so. <laughs> and succeeds in doing so. To the, so it gets to the point where he's at these final boys. They're, they're given a test. They fail the test. So he feels like no one 
Like there's no more hope. Like nobody's yeah. passed this test. There's nothing Total left. Total sickness unto death. Yeah. Right. So he, so he gets very, very low, sad. And this scene broke my heart so much. And I'm just going to mention this really quick. Oh, is this- That she, she can't even stay in their house anymore because he's just so sad. Like, did you, did you remember, like, she packs a bag for her? I do, I do know that at some point she packs the bag for her, but I didn't recognize that it was specifically because of, like, his particular anxiety. Is it because the grandmother so. recognized, like, it wouldn't be good for you to be home? Yeah, um, I think they just wanted, because they, they said it's just for a little while, because he was like crying and mourning, and he was just really sad. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, I think they wanted to keep her away from that. Um, and for her not to feel like it is her fault, because, you know, these are, yeah. there's, there's a, it's it's not her fault. And, um, yeah. but that, that aspect gets resolved, of course, at the end. But anyway, so um, she puts on a show. And her grandfather, um, she invites him to come, and she guest has this, of honor, right? Her guest of honor <laughs> in like tears, <laughs> yeah. just crying because she just like loves. She just keeps like reaching out to him for for him to love her. Anyway, she gives her speech, and he actually gets dressed up. He was gonna go, but then there's this very strange thing that happens on the beach, and so she gives her speech. It's very sad, very moving. You know, always makes me cry. This was extremely effective. Oh Talk my gosh. About it was like I was, yeah. all the stuff she was holding in, it just starts to come out and I'm getting teary eyed just thinking about it. It's, like it's just to so, give like ugh. the clearest of context here. It is like she's invited him to come. He's the guest of honor. He's sort of showing up. She is, we learn that she's like won like a pre- a contest, not just at her school, but in the region. Yeah. And she's going to present it. And it's specifically dedicated to him. Yes. It's about him. Yeah. It's about like hope. It's a forgiving thing. It's uh-huh. merciful. And he's not there. Right. And she knows it and can see it. And everybody in the world knows it. Right. And she still does it, which is like uh, crazy. And she gets <laughs> choked up. Ugh, it's just, I get choked up. <laughs> right. It's so like, like very ugly cry. Like for me, like my whole face gets red and I'm just like, oh, yeah, she's this great. Is so sad. But she be- like beautiful performance. Just very, yeah, just very compelling. Stellar. So you find out the reason why he didn't come was because um, a what do you call it? A pot of whales, right? When, there are, I think when there's so. like I'm more not, than I, one. It's been um, like a thousand years since I watched Discovery <laughs> right, Channel, so right. I cannot remember. <laughs> um, so you have all these whales that have washed ashore because, yeah, each, yeah. yeah because she had called out to them to ha- like, because those are representative of their ancestors because they came on mm-hmm. a whale. She mm-hmm. had called out to them for help and this was them coming to help. But they got washed up and um, this this huge whale ends up coming, like bigger than all the rest. And it was supposed to be Pikea's whale. So this is where more of the legend, yes, yeah, um, mythological aspects kind of come into like this very modern um, context. And so um, the people of the village are trying to keep these whales alive because they're dying, because they're on the shore and they can't make their way back. And it's supposed to allude to like, there being a hopelessness. Yes. So her grandfather says, you've done enough, leave. That's like one of the meanest things he said the whole film. Yeah. 
but she knows that that's where she's supposed to be. She gets up onto the big whale, Pikea's whale, and with the connection that she has, is able to make the the whale turn around and go back into the ocean, and then the other whales follow. And the whole village sees what's happening, and that's like the big sign that she is their long-awaited leader. Mm-hmm. And it it took that her getting on a whale <laughs> yeah. and getting the whale yeah. to move back into the ocean for her grandfather to see you were wrong. She right. is the leader. He has his moment of revelation, and when. She, she goes out to sea and the grandmother doesn't know where she's going to go or when she's going to come back, but the Coast Guard does find her. Hey, don't forget, there's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. And in the hospital, he says, I am, you are our leader and I am but a, a fledgling. Like I, like he's seeing I, himself as wrong, like yeah, as wrong and, and, and that less than her, yeah, less than her. And he's now ready to follow her lead, which is, I think where Melvin was kind of getting to, where you have this very incomplete. <laughs> yeah. Feeling. It's, yeah. it's strange. So he does that. He, he says like, you know, you're our leader and. And I want to follow, you are so much wiser than me. Meanwhile, she's just basically like napping. Um, and yeah. then the, the client, the, the resolution of the film is um, earlier, it was set up that the father who had left for Germany um, and uh, got hitched with a white woman um, ended up uh, coming back. Uh, and, and when he did that, he had never finished this boat that he was supposed to finish building. And then he finally comes back and he finishes it. And his his girlfriend, maybe wife, I don't know if they had a ring, but came back and two. And so an integration of cultures and a more uh, merciful thing. They have this ceremony and they ride the boat off and uh, Pike is at the center singing while they do that. Um, I think I think like with not now that uh, spoilers unveiled, I yes. be able to talk freely. Um, I think um, there's some there's something. um uh, it's it's like this weird middle ground that I'm feeling where like her consistent mercy and kindness to her grandfather is beautiful and wonderful mm-hmm. and exhibits um, the kind of a, a, a small chasm, uh, a small uh, microcosm of the uh, kind of mercy and love we get from the Lord, that kind of thing, where like mm. his extreme patience and mercy and love and affection for us and for himself is so empower uh so empowering that it renews us and eventually through his patience and then his mercy and grace he brings us to him and we are enlightened and in, there's that kind of takes place here but there was also a sense in which like i sort of felt like the problem throughout the movie was asserting that like his uh his like devout faith in this thing was to me was the villain of the film so Mm. then for him to be like i'm submitting to you the leader was sort of like um more of a it it's not that i necessarily think it's the wrong ending i actually think that that ending might work but i don't think the movie is implying it that like he kind of learns nothing and that like she's still a child and like that doesn't mean that 
like it, is it implying that now that like okay now he'll kindly teach her his, her how to be a leader and then she'll do mm-hmm. it well because i i am more on the the side of the spectrum of like uh especially from what like i'm only 27 and even when i'm 80 i'll still be young in my knowledge of the lord and the scriptures but um from what i gain and understand from christianity it's very open ended in terms of the things you're permitted and allowed and not necessarily regarding sins those are still no 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 right bad like you don't uh oh you're saved by the lord and now your sins are gone do you, does that mean you can just sin again no nope. oh but you're by now no not means. under the law so you're not going to suffer under sin anymore so do you sin again no and you know paul makes this all clear yes um but it also asserts that like the the rigidity of Judaism is now not being applied to the Gentile, right? So you don't, oh, you're going to follow the Lord, and now you have to get circumcised, even though you're like 29 years old. <laughs> it's going to be the worst day of your life. Um, but but yeah, then you have to do all these other things, whatever, crazy. Um, no, it's now that you're saved by the Lord, you're a new creation, and so. I think like what what is strange um, viewing it from a Christian perspective, and I think listeners will find this strange because I typically don't do this with movies, but for some reason this one it made me think of this was like the film's kind of idea of sticking to the faith that otherwise was destructive, and not necessarily finding out something new about the faith. Maybe that is what's happening, right? Like that the leaders, the chieftains, can be women, and therefore it's okay. Maybe that's kind of what it's going. But it sort of seemed like he just traded one bad thing to continue doing the bad thing, except now he'll do it through like like it'll be with the daughter. I, but I'm also like as I'm saying this, I'm saying it with so much like doubt, not in faith, but yeah. in the film. And so I right. think it's one where like because of my lack of connection, I'm finding it difficulty to understand it. So I don't know if you have thoughts to what I'm kind of saying or. Yeah, no, I, I can. Sense. Right, no, I can definitely see what you're saying. Um, but I guess when I oh, I I'm sorry, I I understand why I I had a one final thing to that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The thing was because I don't actually think it was necessarily wrong that the people left the community. Um, hmm. I do recognize that like there would be something good about them staying to redeem it and try to recover it because even it sets up that Hemi, uh, one of the boys, his dad is kind of like in a gang or just yeah. In, a bad crowd. But then at the end, during the ceremony, Hemi's dad, I think they make clear, I, I didn't recognize him because he's only got one scene and he's wearing <laughs> completely different clothing, but he's doing the performance of the ceremony. So there's sort of an idea in which like the, the community is being renewed. Um, they're more engaged in their culture and even the women are participating. And I'm mm-hmm. going to assume that they had not been before. Yeah, it's uh, like because they're doing a particular dance and and kata from like not with the bow staff. I don't think they had it in this part, but implications imply that the the community has progressed. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to um, Pykea being the leader, I think the idea is that she's going to be able to lead them in their beliefs in a way that is not toxic. Like in like her, a compatible right kind of function, yeah. Because it's, it, I think they're just making it clear how he is not going to lead them. Like there's yeah. just no way that he can be that filler. Even he knows that. And in his own way, he was trying to to fix it, to find it, and and realizing that in and of himself, he couldn't do it. Right. Um. And so it, 
and and you and you kind of see throughout the film how her influence was affecting other people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like it's it's what she's able to bring that's going to that brought everybody back. And that the how they practice their faith is going to be different. So even her relationship with her uncle, oh, he was kind of lazy, <laughs> sitting around, very chill, very laid back, a kind of guy. Yeah. It's like oh, we, we could hang out sometime. That guy's look he's pretty cool. Um, but then how her desire to learn sparked life into him. You yes. know, like he was kind of just chilling out, no motivation. But then to help her, he found his own motivation in his own life to do more. And we see that through earlier in the film, you see him as a young man. He's very fit. He's very like young. And then throughout most of the film, he's overweight. He's lazy. He's mm-hmm. uh, again, lacks motivation, but then he starts to exercise and he starts to be involved in things. And he starts to, um, yeah, just, he starts to change. And I think that that was just something really interesting to see. And I think a, kind of like a a foreshadowing of what she was going to then do for her whole village. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. Yeah, the way she like touches these people's yes, lives people and, and uh, yeah. the innocence and the, and the general life excitement that she mm-hmm. has, whereas it seems like everyone else is sort of dogged down. Yeah. It's making me think of uh, like not living in fear, but uh, living in love and righteousness kind of lets you function in a way that's more endearing. And mm-hmm. uh, whereas like living in fear is like, can't fail. We can't fail. We can't fail. Which then just produces misery in everybody. Cause it's like, well, yeah. if I can't do it, then I failed. It's a, um, and yeah, I, I, one of the things I thought about while watching it was sort of just how like, um, despite the dynamic nature and, uh, of, of multiculturalism and how all sorts of, uh, different communities function in the different ways, whenever they deteriorate, it's typically in the same fashion. It's like le- lethargy, alcohol mm. there's no sexuality in this movie but you could probably put that in there yeah. um and uh how like all of that kind of becomes the same whenever i've had conversations with like people about like the concepts of sin it's sort of like sin doesn't innovate it's always the same sin is always mm. the exact same yeah um, if you want to innovate in positive things it's there's so much creativity and, and development that can go like once you make the wheel so many things you can do with wheels but with sin, it's like, um, oh, you want to get blackout drunk? There's literally nothing you could do when you're blackout drunk. Right. Oh, you want to have an affair? There's not much innovation to having an affair. Um, you, oh, you want to kill somebody? There's nothing that really happens after that in terms of you know development. It's just you know justice. And um, yeah, whereas like, but positivity creates something, and and um, uh, not positive, but things that are not sin goodness creates something and and develops and and innovates and uh you see how by the end like yeah there's a brightness to everybody as they're united and participating in a way that's more um functional i mean even as the grandfather is trying to do this school everyone's sort of just like eh. <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah whatever. and then it, it it's different towards the end of the, at, at the end of the film where you just mm-hmm. see 
you see life and hope and um and I think that's just kind of where I was left where it's um and I think for him you know I kind of liked the fact that it wasn't and we talked about this like completely resolved mm-hmm. um but that it's like the beginning of his yeah turnaround where he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. okay I don't know everything, which we should all acknowledge. Nobody knows everything. There's always something for us to learn. And, and, uh, you know, as believers, you know, we're never done being sanctified. You know, we're never Mm -hmm. done um, learning something from the Bible. There's always like things that we can turn over and learn more from. So, but in this film, in this context, it's like he's recognizing, you know, I don't know everything. I'm going to try to, in a way, he's relinquishing any semblance of control he thinks he has and Mm -hmm. um and of course in this film in this context it's very different you know he's and it's a it's it's a it's a it's their mythology it's it's from their legends so in their historical context this is kind of how things are playing out and it's and it's Mm -hmm. you know it's like a modern a modern legend like if this was true how would this play out and that's kind of how like i watch the film just taking those historical characters and like turning it into like a, a story that we could see today. I thought, again, it's just one of those things. I don't really see stories like that playing out in this particular way, the way that the this writer and director decided to do it. Yeah, the the kind of like hope of like I think we're trying so like cultural getting broader. Like this is came out in two thousand two, and mm-hmm. then. I think some people jokingly say like, and then the Bush era and the 9-11 attacks really brought in an age of cynicism uh, and a real sense of um, like, uh, eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow, today we die kind of thing. And so like mm. that kind of like idea of hope and and uh, savior kind of passes away. Because like, I feel like there was a an increase in like that sort of like, like as we're talking about this, this is making me think of like Arthurian legends, where like the part of a part of the people forget about the King Arthur legend is that King Arthur will come back, <laughs> like he will literally come back, which is like, hmm. oh, that sounds like someone I know, <laughs> like someone <laughs> right. is actually going to, um, and it never technically really left. Um, and so, yeah, this is like passing on from this. Like you're talking about, like the difficulty of trying to remember if there's really stories like this of like myths and like hopeful myths of redemption or like recovery and stuff or something being redeemed and yeah there's i don't think there's a lot because like yeah arthur king arthur would be one um and that's like but like i'm trying to think if there's anything now i i think now the the broad one would be like a misinterpreted idea of like the second coming of christ where it's like mm. gonna be a president or something but like which would be <laughs> the worst version uh. um but like um yeah, because like something we both agreed that we appreciated was a there's the the film has a kind, gentle depiction of a culture that's different. Now the film is from New Zealand mm-hmm. by New Zealanders. Um, yes, from like I think the New Zealand Film Commission. I can't remember what the beginning said, but I think it had some credits for that. And so it makes sense that it would be healthy and kind because um, right. it's from there. But um there's not uh, we don't really get a lot of that here in the in the US especially from the Hollywood machine we're getting a little more lately but not a whole lot and most of it is specifically chinese um because of the market which now is very much closed off and changing um cuz uh, there's a very long period where hollywood was recognizing 
A new market that was opening up was the Chinese market for tickets, even though the ticket sales are very different. Here in the States, it's like the first two weeks, I think movie companies get like 80 to 90% of the ticket sales. It's massive. And then after that, the third week hits and then it switches. The theater makes more money, Mm. um, which is why the theater will really try and get you to see movies after two weeks um, of being in theaters. In China, I think it's like companies get 30% of the movie ticket. Um, mm. and that's during the first couple of weeks, like it is not a lot of money. And even then, like, I think it's changed to be like China now vets, like 12 foreign movies from the U S it's like, so it's very limited. And if you put ghosts in your movie, it's out. If you have spirituality mm. in it, it's out. It's, it's very, very limited. Um, if you're wondering why there were no force ghosts in star Wars episode nine, that's probably why. <laughs> and um, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, and then I don't even think the movie ended up being a permitted to screen there anyway. I can't remember mm. what it was, but um, but Star Wars is never really connected in China. But I digress. Um, that's why uh, I, I felt inclined to mention that because uh, we were curiously wondering, like, are there other movies that depict other cultures? Uh, I specifically wrote non-Anglo-Saxon cultures um, in film. And I was thinking like, yeah, you mentioned Crazy Rich Asians, um, uh, uh, cine- cinema heads, cinematic, doct- cinematic doctrine, uh, uh, fans of the show, mm. cinema heads, you have now been called <laughs> doc heads. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that just sounds derogatory. You're a total doc head. Don't be a doc head. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we'll keep working on it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, get, I'll get one. Try this stuff like. on. Um, but they'll remember Tiger Tail. We did that in 2020. Um, that's a Netflix film, but that also is a gentle expression of, um, immigration and, uh, non Anglo-Saxon, uh, lifestyle. There's the farewell. Well, you, you, you had read it off and I was like, oh crap, I can't believe I didn't think of that one. Um, Coco, I think is, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. has that like element of, you know, their traditions and their legends and the, you know, so it's like Dia de los Muertos and mm-hmm. um, like having a young boy of today kind of interact with that, um, I think is, it's not the same vibe, you know, because one's a kid's film, a real kid's film. And then we yes. <laughs> um, <Yes>. have <laughs> Will Rider that's very dramatic um, and melancholy for a good portion of the film. I was really just, I, I feel, I feel as though you know, the main thing you see in Whale Rider is that like that dynamic between or that those relationships between generations and how there's yes. like this expectation and then a rebellion against those expectations, yet how to remain together as a community. And I think mm-hmm. you'll just see that in a, in a lot of different films, just that similar dynamic. Again, I still think Whale Rider is very unique in how it describes itself, again, just with that um, very... I guess the word is mythological or that, you know, like with the whales coming and then the writing, the actual writing of the whale. Um, but you have just those those relationships between generations and and that friction that can take place. Um, yeah, I think um, you see that in Crazy Rich Asians. You also see that in the Joy Luck Club. Um, and I know that you see a little bit of that in Coco. What were some, I think you had listed a few others. I wrote down uh, Close Up, um, which is uh, Abbas Kirstrami, um 1990s something it is a middle eastern film and uh it's about i've i've recommended on the podcast a long time ago just last year i guess not a long time ago but it's um it's a film about a man who impersonates a director and then essentially 
non-maliciously, but infiltrates a family's home and gets to know them and like is saying, I'll shoot hmm. my movie with you and it'll be great. But then they learn that it's not him. And so then eventually they call the authorities and have him get taken out. And then the film is the trial. Um, and it's uh, showing like what the um, Islamic State trial would look like. And it's mm. extremely gentle. It's a very kind movie where it showcases that like um, my wife and I were really surprised, not because of the kindness of these people, um, not that, more surprised that in the court of law, one of the things is literally the, the uh, I don't know the particular term, but basically the judge um, who's in full garb is basically says like, if you choose to forgive this man, there will be no charges. <laughs> it's just like, and it would be like, would you forgive him before God and before each other? And mm, things like, it's super fascinating. Interesting. How they religion with their justice system. And it's all very gentle. That's on top of also the fact that the film is about film, the love of film. Part of it is documentary and also not. It's a fascinating movie, but in particular in relation to this, um, I, I mean, I cannot recommend close up enough. It is a beautiful um, film, uh, especially if you love film, pick it up. Uh, mm. It is so good. But, um, but um it's depiction of another culture that you would otherwise find it hard to connect with or integrate to because you're in suburbia. <laughs> like it's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it is one that like is really helpful for that in, in terms of giving perspective. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's an unfortunate, like um, we haven't talked about this overtly on the podcast, although I mentioned WandaVision, we did talk about this on WandaVision that like the, this is part of the reason why, criticism of hollywood with with regards to not just like its depiction of women but also depiction of other cultures that aren't just a white man that's tall and strong um is important because as that's um exported it gives perspectives of what we learn about other cultures and communities mm -hmm. and um uh it, in wandavision in particular part of the reason wanda is going through these television shows is because when she grew up in russia and worked right. in america or Rush, worked in russia she's watching these shows and what success looks like what joy looks like what mm. goals look like is depicted in the fiction she's engaging and so right. um yeah and, and so to that end like i really quite appreciate a whale rider because it's very uh it's a very human tale it's a yes. very relatable tale but it's also very much a um again correct me if i'm wrong but it's maori tale uh yeah. very much there mm -hmm. and um in that way like it it makes it valuable now to that one of the first things when you asked me what do you think of the movie uh i texted back watched it on peacock I don't know what was wrong, but this quality was <laughs> right. terrible. Yes. Um, oh, I'm not sure bad. what to call it. I know when it's physical copy, it's like you get transfers of different versions and check them out. Like I, I, I actually have a movie called Kill Baby Kill, and I don't remember who distributed it. It's a it's a Jalo uh, horror flick, um, and uh, it. Uh, is basically like a transfer. Like I think it was just some guy in his garage who just collected film, like original prints. And it's like a second print that's damaged and bad. And he just recorded it to a DVD and put it on and you, somebody bought it and then mm -hmm. gave it to the thrift store and I picked it up. Yeah. And like, it's the craziest DVD menu I've ever used wow. where it looks like a bio screen and you oh, just man. press play. It's fascinating. 
Um, that's a bad transfer, but it was a really interesting experience. So I still have it on my shelf and I'll keep right. that forever. But I'm streaming on Peacock. And then I even popped over to Amazon just to it's see what it looked like. Same yeah. quality. We are look. We are talking like some hardcore compression. Um, characters' faces like turn into like not blocks, but like start shifting like mm. on their face. It's like cats. It looks like Tom Hooper's <laughs> cats. It's like really. And I was just getting more upset Yikes. about that, not by the film itself, but by the fact that the streaming accessible version of the film is in very poor quality. I've already mentioned yeah. this movie was Oscar nominated. Um, and then it's a foreign film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's English speaking, but it's like very much a non-Anglo-Saxon, non-traditional yeah. uh, character drama. I wonder what goes into uh, that. Like, like, what's, like are there, are there, is there like a process that would keep them from getting a picture that's more clean or sharp or updated? Uh, I guess I'm just, I'm trying to think there has to be a reason they did it because, but I mean, I still think there's no excuse. Like it's, it shouldn't look like that. Yeah. It's super frustrating. I, so one thing I did want to make mention before, like, uh, continuing is I did find that there's a Blu-ray release, uh, 15th anniversary edition from Shout Factory, Hmm. part of their Shout Select series. Um, and, uh, I can't necessarily say their Shout Select series is perfect. I also can't give much criticism or positive or, or positive or negative because I've only watched one, but I've, I've watched their Elvis reprint of um, John Carpenter's Elvis. And mm-hmm. there was one part where the tracking, like, I don't know how they didn't just fix this, but it's like, if you took um like, I, I don't know how to describe this for podcast audience, but I'll try my best. It's like, if you <laughs> took my screen, Melanie, and you just like mm-hmm. juddered it like this for like huh. a full scene. It was sickening. And oh was man! Like, well, how so, did like, this everything just, was like, shaking? Not get fixed. Yeah, but like specifically as though it were going down and then snapped back up and then kept doing it over and over. Oh man! And it was like for like a out. solid two minutes. I was like, "This is terrible." But I didn't know how to watch the movie, and it's right. in Blu-ray, so it looks, still looks yeah. good everywhere else. But uh, that could just be a one-off problem. They might re-release it. It's a John Carpenter mm. flick, so they probably will. Um, it didn't have a commentary track. I don't know if they recorded one. Kurt Russell and John Carpenter, but if they do, they're, I'm sure they'll fix it at that point. But I digress. There is a Blu-ray release of this, um, Shout Select, which they, you know, they still take seriously. It comes with commentary, mm. some featurettes, deleted oh, scenes cool. with commentary also. Um, all that to say is there is, I haven't watched it, but there probably is this version, which is better quality. Now, in terms of what's then transported onto streaming, um, usually when it comes to like unique transfers, like I think they can't own the movie but they can own the transfer of the movie. And so like uh, there's plenty of shout select or shout factory or scream factory releases where they're like, Hey, we went back to the original prints. Um, We got in contact with them. We rescan them. And then we ran it through a digital thing to take out like uh, scratches on the film burns Mm -hmm. dirt and uh, re-released it. Criterion does this all the time. And uh, their digital work is uh, I can definitely attest to Criterion digital work. Great. I've watched a couple of Arrow releases, digital work. Great when they nice. fix stuff up. And um, I would hope that at some point that could then end up on streaming. Um, yeah. I do know, though, like on Prime in particular, some people put up like different versions of the same movie, especially yeah. if it's um, on uh, uh, what's the term? This just happened with Winnie the Pooh. That's why there's the Winnie the Pooh slasher. What's it called? Uh, public domain, where different people will just put up 
like different prints they found. And if it's public domain, there'll just be a thousand oh. versions of it. That's why like Nosferatu has like 200 versions of Nosferatu <laughs> now is because everyone can just make their own version of it. Gotcha. Um, but like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm just not quite sure. Like when it comes to streaming in particular, sometimes with streaming, I think when films are forgotten and I think well writer could fit that category, um, yeah, Oscar nominated that. movies that are really good, but then didn't win sometimes, and even mm. if they do sometimes just kind of get forgotten because they're Oscar nominated because the Academy watches them, not necessarily because everyone else does. No, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> but, uh, which is like kind of it's so funny we take like the oscars come we don't take them seriously but they come out and it's like oh i want to see as many as i can and then i'll just remember malignant from last year and that's going to be it or two years ago <laughs> and it won't matter because i wasn't even nominated but yeah um yeah i i uh, i it, it was the reason i got so motivated and animated about this though is just because it just felt wrong like i said like yeah. it's a non non-white uh foreign foreign community has um actual like award season appreciation. It wasn't just nominated for the Oscars. It had like 30, 33 wins and 35 nominations in total. Like that's wicked. And like, yeah, it, yeah. Just, it was across, like it was a big deal when it came out. Um, but it, you know, yeah, <laughs> I guess just now like, it's just gone. Yeah, it's like, like, I don't know. Stop messing around. Make this <sighs> <laughs> like, just, just fix the film, not fix it, but just give it, give it some more polish. It deserves it. Yeah, so 100%. I think it's worthy of that. Yeah, no, I agree. I just love the film so much and I I think it's I think it's definitely worth people watching it at least once. Mhm. It's a yeah, it's like I, a it's it's a um what would what do you call it? It's um like a personal favorite. I want to use the phrase diamond in the rough, but that's not what I mean. That's not that's not it. It's like a, a hidden gem. A hidden gem. Thank you. I was yes. like there's there's a better way to say it cuz that's not what I mean. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hidden gem. I think it was I wasn't expecting to love it so much when I first watched it. It was one of those movies I resisted, but my brother recommended it and afterwards mm-hmm. I was like, this is just this is just a great movie and it's a shame that not an, a lot of people know about it. But, you know, there's just a lot of films out there. So, oh my gosh. I think it's you know, especially with a lot yeah. of the films that are coming out now and just, I feel disappointed so often. It's sometimes it's okay to, <laughs> cut. I'm just, yeah, just going to be honest. Like there are still good films that are being made. That is not what I'm saying, but I've, I've just been burned <laughs> but a few it's times. Tr- what you're saying is true though. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's hard to want to keep moving forward. So I often find myself going back and I'm like, what was that one film that I saw or that I never, that someone recommended that I haven't seen yet? Maybe I should just watch it. And so, yeah. Now you're just making me think of a new Patreon topic, which will probably just be what's a movie, what's a hidden gem that you've seen that you're pretty sure no one else has and why? Oh, that'd be All fun. Right. I may have a few more. Saving that one. a few one. more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I agree, though. I think this movie, even though I, I did not personally connect with it on the level you did, but then also, like, I, I seem to just, like, have not, like, been on the same page with it in terms of some of its stuff. I do think it's a good movie. I think it's well made. I think it has a lot to appreciate and to engage like mentally. It's mm. very stimulating. Um, and then the central performance um, specifically too, being like a child performance is like, wow, this is good stuff. And so definitely recommend it on that account. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. Oh, and I meant to, I meant to say, uh, what is his name? The I'm looking uh, for this actor's grandfather? name. No, her father. Pororangi. 
I think is his name. If I'm Cliff Curtis. So this is a very young, not very young, but a younger Cliff Curtis. And you might recognize him in films like um, that's a lot of movies <laughs> yeah he, he's he's done a lot of work but he's uh he's done films like he he played a character in Hobbs and Shaw it's like a Fast and the Furious like spinoff but he also yeah. did he was in Avatar 2 Meg Sunshine he was in Dr. the Meg Sweet. yeah like he he's done a lot of big Hollywood projects he hasn't been like the the main star but if you saw mm-hmm. his face, I mean, you won't recognize him in Avatar too because everybody's blue. But um, <laughs> but um, he does play the head chief, I believe, in Avatar too. Oh, of, like the that, other tribe of the other tribe. Uh, I think that great. is him. But yeah, so he's um, wow, he gets around. He's got so yeah, much stuff. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. So it was really, it's always like cool to think about this as like one of his um, earlier, one of the earlier of his films that I've that I've gotten the I've got. I've gotten a chance to see. So it's just really cool. Yeah. Performances across the board. Um, I know I definitely praised uh, the lead actress, but yeah, I thought he was good and he's very, he's, he is very limited in the movie. He's, he doesn't have a lot of screen time, probably like 12 minutes, maybe less than, Mm -hmm. but what he has is like, he is, Yeah, he's very good. So just some great stuff. Mm -hmm. Good movie. I'm glad you recommended it. This was really, really, I really appreciated this one. This was fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Did you know Cinematic Doctrine has a blog? Visit cinematicdoctrine.com to read extended thoughts on movies or movie industry news from our contributors. Plus, you can find our podcast on there, too. Um, But I guess now we'll go into actual recommendations. Um, Did you want to kick us off on recommendations? Sure. And it's completely unrelated. You know how sometimes we'll be like, oh, we're talking about anime. Let's keep it in theme. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, But unrelated is great. (laughs) Very unrelated. I actually saw this last week. Mm -hmm. And again, an oldie but a goodie. I highly recommend Little Giants. It's a great sports movie if you're not super into sports movies. Okay, um, but this came out in 1994. It features uh, Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill as like the the main adult characters. So this is a kids film, and it's misfit. It's it, the synopsis is uh, misfits form their own opposing team to an elite Pee Wee football team coached by the elite team coach's brother. So, mm-hmm. oh wow, that does not. I read this off of IMDb. This is not doing it any justice. So I'll. I'll attempt to start the <laughs> film instead. Your version. <laughs> My version. So you have Rick Moranis plays, um, is the younger brother to Ed O'Neill's character. And he's always kind of living under his shadow. But they're adults now. They've had their own lives. They each have their own families and their own children. And Ed O'Neill is like this hotshot football star who came back to his hometown. And he's got a dealership and he's got like his own peewee football team and he's very very picky about who gets to play so rick moranis's character is like well you should let all the other kids play and through a series of events he forms his own peewee football team and the teams go head to head to see who's going to represent their town as like the peewee football team and when i tell you this movie is so funny you have these really, really great moments between the kids and the kids are just being like real kids. So you have this huge cast of kid actors and they're all absolutely amazing, hilarious, all of these fun jokes. It's a, I think it's a great movie to watch with like, with like a whole family or, um, 
even if, uh, yeah, just anybody. I think anybody mm-hmm. would really enjoy this film, young or old. It's just, it's just so funny. It's super cute. So if you're looking for something lighthearted, looking for something fun, looking for something not to take like too seriously, but very heartwarming, sometimes you just need a little bit of that in your life. So uh, I would highly recommend Little Giants. I, I watched it. I felt very nostalgic. And yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great kids film. I was uh, going on IMDb for this because I was like, looking at the poster and I was like, Oh my gosh, is Pac- Patrick Renna in this? Cause he's like the, in every like nineties sports movie, he's, mm. he's the freckled big kid in the sandlot and the big green. And I was like, Oh, oh no. no, he's not in this. I was like, it really looked like him in the poster. I was like this guy, dude, he just no, got typecasted I know who you, as Oh, I know who you mean. It's a different kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, but it's definitely crazy. along that. Um, the it's lines the of like vibe. the Sandlot. It's got like a similar <laughs> vibe. But I just what I loved is that um, the dynamic between the kids because they're just so silly, but just mm-hmm. their their kid jokes are also just really really funny. I, I don't know. I just maybe that's just my kind of humor. I, I just always have such a great time going back to like older movies that I watched as a as a kid. And I uh, am only keeping in theme insofar as it is set in New Zealand, from New Zealand, uh, by New Zealanders. Uh, I already name dropped it, and I have yet to have recommended it on the podcast. It is one of Daniel's top four movies ever. I am recommending Dead Alive or Brain Dead. Mm-hmm. This is Peter. This is, I'm recommending it, recognizing this is an extremely hard movie to see. Although I think it's on YouTube, <laughs> I don't know if it's legal to watch. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's like the only place where. It's actually inexpensive. The, this movie is uh, Melanie. What's this movie? <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. You know Disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. This so it is the craziest you're, zombie movie. You're talking is... about it, and things are replaying oh. in my brain that I've been trying really hard to forget. It's just so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, this is a movie where I have uh, I watched it with my wife the first time and I just put it in as like because someone uh, a listener of the show has mailed it in when I showed uh, Dan what came in he goes holy crap they sent you dead alive that movie's crazy he's like how is he's like that should that cost a ton of money and it's just the DVD because anyways I'm like okay I guess I'll watch it and then it took me a year to finally do it and it blew me away so then I invited a bunch of friends over to watch it it is the most shocking crazy extremely goofy slapstick zombie movie in the world there is literally a scene where like a zombie falls off a banister and when it hits the ground it immediately explodes into blood <laughs> i don't know how a body does that <laughs> but this one does it is so funny oh my god um, there is just a point when people stop being people and they become things to later turn into zombies and you don't know what kind of Basically. zombie it will be because there are so many different kinds of zombie in this movie. It is quotable. It is hilarious. It is gross. There is in a with a with a a house full of friends. I turn to them and go, guys. I know we're twenty minutes in, but the most disgusting scene is about to happen. And everyone oh goes, gosh. I don't believe you. And it happens. And I hear screams. I turn and uh, I look, and everyone's looked away. And Melody is covering her eyes. Yes, on my over. whole body just like <laughs> turned around, just trying to like not <laughs> engage with. The, it's just, and that's the uh, thing. It concerns me that people think of this stuff because I'm just like. <laughs> 
how sick are you? And they're just like regular people. And I'm like, how do you just think of these things? It's very Uh, ridiculous, but I can, I can see why you would like it, Melvin. I can also see this as the reason why people like myself might find you to be a wild card because oh, it's just so delightful. (laughs) Right. Like like it is like if I, I feel like the next time I'm really down or depressed, I could just put this in and I'll, I'll be happy right immediately. It is great. If you want to watch a Peter Jackson movie before Lord of the Rings and you want to have some cred for watching a hard to find flick, this one is absolutely one to grab. I'll have an Amazon link down below because I'm positive it's not streaming anywhere like legally. So just watch is worthless at that point. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely 100% recommend this. It is, there's literally no plot. It is just a zombie movie. I mean, there's plot, but it's like very, it doesn't matter. Like it is the equivalent of a Three Stooges thing, except people turn into zombies. So check it out. Tons of fun. I'm pretty sure the budget is stupidly small, which is insane because of the uh, amount of quality that's put into the effects here. Uh, yeah, $3 million budget estimated. Um, <laughs> it says $23,000 opening weekend. <laughs> so, so Nobody saw this movie when it came no. to the States. And it's rated R specifically for, and it's a, <laughs> it says, an abundance of outrageous gore. <laughs> Basically, that's the whole film. Oh, it's so funny. But yeah, 100%. Yeah, just check it out. It is great. You'll love it. Uh, If if you love zombie movies, this is absolutely one to check out. So do it. And invite all your friends. (laughs) Oh, non-squeamish ones. Check it out. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.